recreation ground getting together was extremely important. It was just like we all talked about our stories together. We all gathered there and we looked forward to seeing each other. And there's families that live way out uh, of town that don't come in very often. They're like little rabbits coming out of their hiding place. And they all met in there. Didn't matter what nationality or whether they were green, black or white or whether they were greenies or not, we all got together. And you miss that after when the virus and we can't have anything. But it was um, one big happy group of family, yeah. Very important indeed, very important, wonderful. That's Melville Woodgate and this is the third episode of Three Towns. I'm Matthew Abud. The firefront has passed Bucken and several locals have sheltered at the Recreation Reserve sports ground. Others joined them afterwards. Even then, the fire was far from finished, with weeks of smoke and more peak days to come. Bucken was cut off for several days, with mobile phone communication also down. The community had to meet its own needs. Local CFA member Kate Hodge and other firefighters had to expand their roles. Yeah, so probably after that first fire front went through, on the sort of the Tuesday or the Wednesday, we got together a group of um, key stakeholders, which included our our DELP um, and CFA captains, myself, um, and one of the strike team leaders from away, and we, we sort of delved up jobs. Um, as I said to you, we had about 150 um, local people from as far north as Sugunbugan, which is a fair way for, from, you know, north in our catchment. We had people from out to the east that had, um, at that point we found out had lost homes, etc. They'd come in as well. Um, so we had a lot of people who had nowhere else to go. We were um, we couldn't go anywhere because the roads all had multiple very large trees over them. So we were stuck in the space at the wreck building. Um, I got the job of being down at the wreck, doing the um, the provision of food, water, shelter, etc. for people down there, and supporting um, the logistics in that space and bringing that back to the the um, the group. Uh, our strike team leader, who was from away, he did the feeding information in and out of the ICC and maintaining that communication in and out. The ICC is the Incident Control Centre, with authority over the fire response across East Gippsland. The guy from DELP did the ongoing plans and works with the contractors and where to next with the firefighting side of things. And um, the CFA captain did the um, on-the-ground logistics behind getting our water up and running because we had our water at that stage our water had stopped working so can't fight a fire if you haven't got water so we had to go to pumping out of the river the fuel at the roadhouse we 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 had a we're lucky our CFA captain's an electrician we'd hooked up the largest generator we could find in town so that we could get the fuel to run because we needed fuel for fire trucks and the fire trucks couldn't get out to go and get fuel at that point because we were stuck in here um, so that was our core leadership team and then I, like in my space I set up another group of, of leaders within the space down at the wreck and one of the first things we realised was we're going to need to be able to um, cook for all these people that were were um, out of home and that were stuck at our our space down there. No one had bought you know, large amounts of food with them or anything and we had 150 local people plus we had three strike teams and a... Um, a task force from DELP. So we probably had 
a bit over 300 people stuck here in the valley. So we pretty much raided all of the uh, local fridges and freezers and started cooking bacon and eggs. I literally went and um, picked up people's chooks and pinched the eggs out from under them. One of my friends who um, was in Western Australia, her son has a uh, egg selling business so I went and raided his chooks every morning to be able to get eggs to put into this community uh, event um, and I think that most people just um, pitched in. The community made up its own mind about what was needed. Time and again many told me that people went to shelter at the rec reserve despite official advice. Here's Kirsty Pierce again. You know, CFA and DELP had met with us prior to and they told us that Buchan, uh, the rec reserve, wouldn't be an evacuation centre because it's not built for purpose, so it wouldn't serve what we needed. Also concerns about that particular building being impacted. We were told to go to Orbost and I wouldn't be going to Orbost. Um, so after the fire was over, we went to sleep and ended up going down there. Um, there were a few people that had evacuated down to there, so there were a lot of people just cooking. And it was one of the, this is one of these towns that people just do stuff. They don't really, you're not allocated a job, you're just all getting boots and all. So, you know, we were cooking and making sure people were looked after and they felt cared for and listened to. Um, there was definitely a lot of tears and a lot of debriefing and story sharing. Um, it, was very, it was very informal, but it worked very well. Um, I somehow fell into being the communicator, so we set up, someone had set up this Buck and Fires page, and I wasn't even an administrator on it, but somehow I was the quasi-informal administrator of that, so feeding information into that page so people knew where to get what. So that, I kind of fell into that role, maybe because I'm just good at that side of things, I'm pretty good with social media. Um, so we just all got in together and made that happen. But yeah, it was just that core group of women, which I guess is kind of interesting. It was the women that pulled together. Um, but it worked really well, really well. Kirsty had only recently moved back to Buchan after growing up there. So I actually really, in some ways, I found it beneficial for me because I worked in Bensdale. I didn't know a lot of the women in town that well. So for me, that was a really nice time to actually share some time with them and get to know them a bit better and feel like I was a bit more back into the community like I was as a child. So it was a very special time for me in that sense. Many told this story about how, along with the emotional shock, the fire brought people together and created new bonds. This was also felt by Donald Graham and his wife Bron. As they already told in the previous episode, they lost their house in Buchan East. We weren't the only ones in that situation, of course. And as other people came in and told similar stories, you know, that their house had gone, it, you know. Um, interesting, um, the people that had lost the houses, um, maybe it, it, it's, from me, from my point of view, it, it looked like it was just a matter of fact. I mean. You would, you'd expect them to be more shell-shocked. Now, maybe it hadn't dawned on them or whatever, but it was just as it was. Uh, when, we, when we got in there and, and the ambulance bloke came over and did what he needed to do to my eyes, my wife um, um, broke down 
which which she needed to do. <laughs> had a good howl, um, not like I've ever heard cry before, but it was needed to happen. And uh, anyway, from from then on, um, the rec hall um, worked very well. It wasn't perfect by a long shot, but it served as a place of a gathering for the next fortnight, probably. It was just as a community should be. It's as simple as that. I mean, it, it's just what happens, and more barriers are broken down, perhaps. From our point of view, it's, it's allowed us, because we're only newcomers, to get to know many more people. People who have either been in the same situation as us or, or not. But it's, it's probably accelerated that part of our relationship with Bucken by 10 years. So from our point of view, um, that's been a, a positive, but not the price you'd normally want to pay for it. In the district outside Bucken Township, smaller communities were also coming together. Susie Edwards was out of Bucken when the fire came through and got back several days later. She's the bush nurse for Galantope, which is around 50 kilometres further into the mountains. So that's a smaller population, so people were more fending for themselves. There was still no communication, there was no, um, especially up the mountain, there was no mobile phone coverage, there was, yeah, so getting information to people was really, really difficult, yeah, and that's why we started our community barbecues. So through the Bush Nursing Centre, we supplied all the meat and the salads, the first, so we started doing it every Monday night. And the first two, we actually didn't even have power. And so it got to dark and I said, I'm going home, like I've got to get down the mountain. And apparently they sat around for ages, they turned on the car lights and they all just sat around, just talk. And the first one I know, no one took even a stubby of beer because they didn't know if it was, you know, going to be, they were going to be allowed to drink because, you know, the bush nurses organised it. <laughs> By the second one, they were little eskies. <laughs> It was just an opportunity for everyone to get together. They all just wanted to talk about the day, the day and the night. Yeah, yep. And how things panned out for them personally. Everyone was wanting to tell their personal story. Yeah, and that's basically, listening was our biggest asset we could do for anybody, was to listen. Making sure people were okay was a priority. Here's Kate Hodge again. And we worked a lot with the police um, at that stage too, around um, trying to establish who was alive and who wasn't. So on the Tuesday morning, we had about 27 people on our list that we didn't, we couldn't account for. A few of us, like I'd been very active when I'd been all around the place and I'd seen a lot of people. And um, so I was able to tick a heap off from, from my travels and then I was able to tie into people that I knew had been in other spaces where I hadn't and we got it down um, to about sort of seven or eight people and then we started working on that smaller number of people to establish um, who was um, who was alive and who wasn't. We heard in the previous episode how the CFA turned a spot fire away from the house of Cherry, one of Buchan's older residents. But what happened there next wasn't clear for a couple of days. So there's probably a really funny story in that one. Um, so Cherry's a beautiful lady. She's, uh, she, I won't say her age, but she's, she's definitely seen a few 
summers and probably a few fires as well um, and her daughter was there with her as well and um, they were seeing the fire um, front pretty early in the day and we were a bit concerned for them and it took us until Wednesday to actually check in and make sure that they were still okay because we couldn't get down there there was trees burnt over etc um, so a couple of us actually um, headed down there uh, in a private vehicle and cut our way down and when we got there they were sitting in their car it was about 7 30 or 8 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning in their nightwear listening to the radio because their batteries had gone flat in their um, their home radio and of course we'd had no power at that point so they had to run their car and listen to the ABC radio on their on their um, their car to know what was happening and and um, I actually had uh, my brother with me who's a big burly policeman he wasn't in his police gear he was off duty and um, and we've both turned up and hopped out of my car and Cherry's known my car and she said oh Kate and then she's looked and seen my brother there and she's in her night things and she's gone oh I don't think I'm properly dressed <laughs> so uh, we, we'd gone over to say well you better come for lunch because there's a lot of people that are really worried about you Cherry and um, we we're just really happy to see that they're well and they're okay and and we invited them to come for lunch and she said well I think I might need to make myself up what time would this appointment be <laughs> so it was um it was one of those things that filled your cup you know it was a um a really memorable time but Buchan had been hit hard 26 houses were destroyed across the district along with extensive fencing and other buildings A much heavier tragedy was the loss of local resident Mick Roberts in his home. So we found out that um, that Mick was um, deceased, and he was in his. We we the, we'd had a report from his neighbour that he was um, he was at his house, and uh, and it was probably quite distressing because it took us it took us about probably a day or two to get the forensics people to come up and to do the work to you know, um, all the official business that you have to do and and the farmer was like, you can't just leave me there, you know, but you couldn't do anything about that. So that was pretty distressing at the time. For myself, I do wish I'd been able to do justice to Mick's loss and what it meant for the community. In this voluntary storytelling effort, it's sadly one of the things that COVID lockdowns interrupted before I could properly make it happen. For almost two weeks, the immediate situation remained intense and complicated. Several factors were involved. The days without mobile phone communication and the stress that caused was a big issue. Another was the fact people were not allowed into Buchan because of ongoing fire risk. More peak fire days also saw more partial evacuations. With every story I heard, the details were really important to understanding how people responded, or what worked and what didn't. But going into all of that is beyond what this podcast can do. For the people at the Rec Reserve, the moment outside help arrived to give support was a huge boost. Donald Graham again. Yeah, well, there was one group in particular who, uh, I think they were businesses associated with what used to be or the Brethren, I think, they've got another name now, um, they came up and set up shop there and provided meals 
must have been for a week, brekkie, lunch and tea. Very good meals and very caring um, and do anything for you. Um, they were brilliant. They were probably the ones that, that have stood out in terms of, of that first week or so um, um, because they had volunteers who would have normally been at their places of work but provided great meals and they were just friendly people who, who were enjoying what they were doing being of, of use to somebody else. Donald also says that because the town had saved several vital assets, it was better placed to immediately respond. But things were tougher further out in the district. We still had the community structure, the pub, which was only relatively new, the general store, the roadhouse, the police station, um, the CFA um, buildings, the cave reserve was was hit, um, but we only lost three houses. So Buchan, in terms of the township, got off relatively lightly. Um, so the impact is, is on the farmers who had been struggling anyway um, to have the last vestiges of grass go and then their fences are gone and their sheds and cattle yards gone. On top of everything else, was enough to drive you nuts. Mucken was getting through the immediate crisis, but as Kate Hodge notes, it needed many adjustments along the way. No one really educates you in the, in the, um, in the space of you know, an emergency event event has phases. No one sits you down and tells you, you know, there's the emergency and then there's that, um, you know, emergency period which follows directly after that where you do the, um, you know, the immediate recovery and then there's, you know, relief and, like, there's all these phases but no one educates you in that. <laughs> so you're, you're basically trying to feel your way along and, and understand when it's time to shift from one phase to another and, and how you appropriately shift your whole community in doing that as well, um, which can sometimes be a challenging job because for different reasons people can be more vulnerable than, an, than another person and have more need for support and assistance um, or more perceived need for support and assistance. Um, and, and that can mean that they're reluctant to shift from um, that assistance into that next phase where they have to become a little bit more responsible for themselves as well. And finding that balance and moving, shifting people on in a way which is, um, you know, empathetic and diplomatic can sometimes be a challenge or has been a challenge. I think, I think we've managed to negotiate it in most cases fairly well. Um, and there's been those that have just wanted to get back on with doing their own thing right from the start. So very different. People deal with these sorts of challenges in a very different way. Relief, recovery, rehabilitation. They might be stages that just about all places go through after a disaster, drawing deep on community ties and strengths. But they're absolutely never the same. Each place will have its own experiences and even lessons, their own insights to share and stories to tell. Buchan is one place with plenty of both and has without doubt gathered far more since I was able to visit last July. The next episode heads on down the road to Can River, very much in Gippsland's Far East. This is The Three Towns Podcast. It's a voluntary effort to help gather some of the stories and the many things learned by communities who faced Gippsland's Black Summer bushfires. I'm Matthew Abud. 
thanks to Spoonbill for the theme music. You can find a link to his work on the episode website. <laughs>